KMTT. This is KMTT Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, and today is Thursday, Tet Be'adah, the ninth day of Adah, and today's shir is in Parshat Shavua, and I will be giving the shir. It is my turn. This week's parsha is Parshat Tetzaveh. If I would ask you, last week's parsha, Parshat Teruma. What was it about? I know that most of you are not in a position where you can open a chumash now. But Pasha uh, Turuma, what is the entire Pasha about? The answer, I believe, that is being given, Pasha Turuma is about the construction of the Mishkan. 100%, that's the right answer. From the beginning to the end, Pasha Turuma is how to construct. It's the architectural plans, the construction plans of the Mishkan. What is Pashat Tetzaveh about? This week's Pasha. We haven't read it yet. It's not easy to remember. Taking an overview, what is Pashat Tetzaveh about? If we look at the Pasha, it's clear what 90% of the Pasha is about. Pashat Tetzaveh is about the Kohanim. And these two Pashiyot form a, a, a dual whole one Pasha about the physical construction of the Mishkan, and one Pasha about the Kohanim. In other words, the building and the people who run it. In other words, it's really the construction of the Mishkan as a working as a working building. Pasha Tchumar began, Asuli Mikdash V'Shachanti B'Tocham. How is that going to take place? You will build the building, you will install the Kohanim, the Kohanim will run the Mishkan. And therefore, close to the end of this week's Pasha, after having everything to do with the Kohanim, the Begadim, and their inauguration ceremony, and the sanctification, when all that is finished, in fact, the Torah sums up these two Pashiyot, and says, V'kidashti et Ohen Mo'ed ve'et ha'mizveach ve'et Aaron ve'et banav akadesh l'chahen li, I will sanctify Ohen Mo'ed, the tent, and the altar, and Aaron, and his children, I will sanctify to serve me. The two parts, the building, the oil, the tent, and the Kohanim. Beginning of Truma, make me a Mikdash, and I will dwell in their midst. Here it says, I will dwell in the midst of Bnei Yisrael, and I will be their God. End of section. Now there is one section afterwards, which is very difficult. The very, very last section of Pashat Etzaveh describes the construction of the Mizbeach Miktar Ketoret. The Mizbeach Aktoret, the inner the inner altar, which was used for incense. It should have been offhand in Pashat Ruma after everything is finished. And after we have this concluding Pasuk that I just read, it says, Vasita Mizbach Miktar Ketoret. You should now make a altar for incense. The exact same kind of phraseology of which Pashat Shuma is full. Ba'asita, and you shall do A, B, you shall make A, Aron, you shall make A, Ota, you shall make A, Menorah, you shall make A, Shulchan. And here it says you shall make an Ota, it's out of place. I'm not going to talk about that. It's a very interesting and important topic. It's not our topic for today. I want to speak about the previous section. After it says how to get the Kohanim ready to make their garments, and then there's a ceremony for seven days, we call the Miluim, where the Kohanim are being inaugurated, they're being consecrated for service. We have the following seven psukim. 
Seven days the Kohanim were getting ready by bringing certain sacrifices and, and, and becoming Kohanim. Shiv'at yamim techaper al hamizbeach v'kidashta oto. Those seven days, which were clearly used to consecrate the Kohanim, also, on those seven days, you will atone on the altar and sanctify it. And then the Mizbeach will be Holy of Holies. Now comes the following six Psukim, a section of six Psukim. This is what you should do on the Mizbeach. You bring two sheep, one year old sheep, two a day, Tamid, constantly. And then, in the next five psukim, the Torah describes what we call the Korban HaTamid. It gives you exact how to bring the Tamid Shal Shacharit, the daily morning sacrifice and the daily afternoon sacrifice. This pasuk, is probably familiar to you, but not from here. Because this section is exactly paralleled in another section found in Sefer Bamidbar, in Parshat Pinchas, in the section which we read on Rosh Chodesh and, and, and consequently on holidays, the section of the daily sacrifices, which begins with the Korban HaTamid, to Kvasim every day, and then continues with the Korban HaMusaf, Musaf Shal Shabbat, Musaf Shal Rosh Chodesh, and all the other Chagim. We read those sections on every single Chag, because it's the Korban Musaf. It begins with the Korban Tamid. The Psukim are almost completely parallel. There's some minor differences, but I'm not going to I'm not going to discuss. I'm not even sure what the explanation for the minor differences is. The first question is why the two sections, and also what is the section doing here? We're talking about the construction of the Mishkan, the sanctification of the Kohanim, but not what you do in it. What you do in it is all of Sefer Vayikra, and quite properly. And, and, and also later on in Sefer Bamidbar, that's, that's Pashat Pinchas in Bamidbar. Why here, after it says, you should make an altar, you should make Kohanim, make a Mishkan, and this is what you should do on the altar on a daily basis? Shnaim, Shnaim Layom Tamid, two daily sacrifices. The laws of sacrifices are not found in Sefer Shmot. They don't belong before the Mishkan has been completed. And then there'll be a whole long, very long list of laws, what to do inside the Mishkan, how to run it on a daily basis. This entire section is unnecessary, and in fact duplicated later on in a place where it should be. There is one difference, one major difference, between the two, uh, between the two sections, the one in Pashat Tzaveh and the one in Pashat Pinchas. When I say a major difference, it's a difference that literally is contradictory. Not a small change of one word for another, but at least when we read it literally, it says two different things. In our parsha, it says at the end, "Olat tamid lidorotechem," a constant offering, "Ola," for all generations, "Petach oel moed lifnei Adonai," asher ivaed lachem shama lidaber elech Hashem. Where does it take place? In the entrance to the Oel Moed, before God. That's where the altar is. The place where I will come meet with you there to speak to you. 
Okay, so you bring the Korban Ola in the entrance to Oel Moed, the place where God will speak to you. And in fact, then the Pasha concludes, And I will meet with there, with the Jewish people, and I will be sanctified in my honor. The parallel Pasuk in Pashat Pinchas begins similarly, begins the same way. Olat Tamid, a daily, a constant sacrifice. doesn't say the Dorotechem. But what's most striking is the place. On Mount Sinai, for a, a pleasant uh, savour, a pleasant uh, smell, a burnt, a burnt korban for God. Now, Bahar Sinai, what does mean Bahar Sinai? So Rashi there explains, there's a technical meaning. It means you should do it the same way as the Ola which was brought in Har Sinai. I'm not interested in, in what the Pasha in Pinchas means, but just comparing the two Psukim. Here it says by us that the Ola is brought in the entrance to Ol Moed where I will meet with you. And there it says it's brought on Har Sinai. And it's a pleasant offering before God. That's a clear, a, a totally different idea. And that I think will help us understand what in fact it's doing in our Pasha. Not only does our Pasuk say that it's Olat Tamid in Petach Ol Moed, but it defines what Petach Omoed is, the place where I will meet with you to speak to you with you there. Why was that necessary? You want to tell us where the Korban is brought? So it's brought Petach Omoed. Not every single time in the Torah where Oel Moed is mentioned does it say, Asher Iva Eid Lachem Shama, the Daber Elech Hashem, place where I will meet with you to speak with you there. I think it's clear that what the Pasuk is saying is, this is why I'm mentioning all this. What is the purpose of the Mishkan? The purpose of the Mishkan is The purpose of the Mishkan is to be a place where God will dwell in the midst of the Jews. That's why it's called Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting, where God meets the Jews. So it's clear that this unusual section in our Pasha, what to do on the Mizbeach, is not telling us the daily mitzvah which needs to be done because the Jews have a lot of mitzvot. It has to be the completion of the construction of the of the Mishkan, which is why it's immediately followed by that concluding pasuk I quoted in the beginning, and I will sanctify all Moed in the Kohanim, and I will dwell in amongst the Jews. In other words, there are three steps in the construction of the Mishkan to fulfill its purpose as a place where God meets the Jews. One, you construct it physically. Two, you prepare the Kohanim. And three you have a daily sacrifice. In other words, the daily sacrifice isn't a mitzvah, it's a feature. And that, I think, is the meaning of this phrase which we are so familiar with, olat tamid, a constant olah. It can't be a constant olah. Constant olah means twice a day. And as Mephashim point out, something which is done regularly is called constant. Tamid can mean not all the time, but on a regular basis. But nonetheless, the phrase is striking. Olat tamid. Why is it called olat tamid? So I think that's what it means. It's a permanent feature. It's not a mitzvah you do. It's not an olah that you bring. It's an olah that is there. Just like the Mishkan has a aron, it has a altar, it has a menorah, it also has as one of its features olat tamid. And what is the purpose of the olat tamid? Why 
does the Mishkan have to have a constant sacrifice on the altar? Because because that's the place where God meets man. In other words, the Pasuk is saying, and I do not presume to explain exactly why this is true. I mean, Kobanot are really very difficult for us to understand. We're so, we're so far from understanding their inner meaning. But the Pasuk says that the vehicle, the thing which, which brings God to meet with man, is the fact that man sacrifices a Koban, a sacrifice on the altar in the Mishkan. The purpose of the Mishkan is v'shachanti betocham. This is accomplished by doing everything found in Parshat Truma and Parshat Etzaveh. And the last step is placing a constant sacrifice. In other words, every day bringing two sacrifices. But that means having a feature in the Mishkan of a constant sacrifice called the Olat Tamid. And therefore, where is it? What is its place? Of course, its place is Ol Moed, which is what? the place where I will meet with you to speak to you. Why does it have to say that? Because that's explaining why you do it there. The Korban is in the Petach Ol Moed, which is the place of meeting. In other words, the Korban is the vehicle, is the cement, which creates the meeting and the speech between man and God. The Parsha in Parshat Pinchas, on the other hand, is just a mitzvah. It's telling us the, all the mitzvot you have to do. The mitzvot specifically of Korbanot. Why do you bring the Olat Tamid? Yulatamid represents the service of God. To 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 reason backwards, the Gemara says that Tfilot Bimkom Tmidim. We Davin, we say Shmanesray, we, we have Tfilot in the place of the Korbanatamid. Why does one Davin? It's the service of God. The Korban Tamid is the daily service of God. We're servants of God. We bring a Korban every single day. What is the purpose? To serve God. So what is the place? which is the foundation of our serving God, Har Sinai, not Olam but Har Sinai, the place where we got the Torah. We received the Torah, we received the mitzvot, we were told what to do, we do them. And bringing the Korban Tamid indicates that we are the servants of God who have received His commands, and as servants we, we bring a Korban, a Korban, a Korban Tamid. So it's a totally different Tamid. The Tamid by us is a feature of the Mishkan which completes the Mishkan and brings God to speak to man. It serves the purpose of the Mishkan as Ohel Mo'ed, the meeting place. The Koban Tamid of Parshat Pinchas in Sefer Bamidbar is our constant service of God. Not the basis for God's communion with us and our communion with Him, but basically our God's communion with us, but our constant service of God. And therefore, although the Pasha is in its facts completely parallel, but in its purpose, you're dealing with two totally different things. Here we have the Korban Tamid as the final building, the final feature, the final thing ne- necessary to be done so that the Mishkan can fulfill its purpose as a place where God meets man. And in Pashat Pinchas, you have the Korban Tamid as a mitzvah that's done on the Mizbeach, like other mitzvot that are done on Mizbeach, like the Musaf is brought on Rosh Chodesh Shabbat and Chagim. Like other Korbanot in Sefer Vayikra Abvot on the Mizbech, when you have to bring a Chatat, when you have to bring a Ola, there are many, many Korbanot, and this one of them is the Korban Tamid, which is described in Parshat, Parshat Pinchas. Now there is one other exception in Parshat Tetzaveh to the general picture of it dealing with the Kohanim. It's a third exception, but it's, it's actually very short. It's only two Psukim. It happens to be the first two psukim in the Pasha, and therefore 
we do tend to notice it. Pashat Tetzaveh begins with the lighting of the menorah. V'yatat Tetzaveh b'nei Yisrael v'yikachu eilecha shemen zayit zach katit lamaol lahalot ner tamid. should tell the Jews to, like in Pashat Tuma, you told them to bring things and build. So here, let them bring oil. It's different. It's not part of the construction. You bring oil. You always have to bring oil. Every day you have to bring oil. You bring oil in order to lahalot ner tamid. Why am I mentioning this? Because of the word tamid. It's the second time. It's out of order. This one comes first. And the olat tamid is at the end of the pasha. The beginning of the pasha, you have a ner tamid on the menorah. And at the end of the pasha, you have an olat tamid on the mizbeach. If we're correct in what I explained about the Olat Tamid, that it's not describing a mitzvah, but it's describing the the way the Mizbech should look. It's not just a Mizbech, it's a Mizbech with a sacrifice on it. That's the Mizbech which makes the Mishkan the Mishkan. Then here too, the Torah is not describing the mitzvah of lighting uh, candles. This is found in Pashat Baalotcha later on. Here it's describing the way the menorah should be. The menorah is not a menorah without ner tamid. Again, the word tamid, what does the word tamid mean in my explanation? A permanent feature. Here it's really permanent. The candles burnt all the time. The, the oil burnt all the time. But the point is that it's Ner tamid. What does the Mishkan look like? It doesn't only have a menorah. It has a lit menorah. And so you have two tmidim, two things which are not physical entities. They're two permanent activities which make the Mishkan the Mishkan. One is the Ola on the Mizbeach, and one is the light on the menorah. If there are two things, we have to try to understand the difference between them. Here I don't really find much of a hint in the text of the Torah itself. We can surmise that the Korban, the Ola, the sacrifice brought on the Mizbeach, is a meeting place between man and God because it, sh- it symbolizes man's side of the equation. Man brings a sacrifice The sacrifice represents perhaps himself. This is the idea of the Ramban, that a sacrifice is is your own your own body, your own blood, your own flesh. By bringing a sacrifice, we are bringing ourselves to meet God. That's the cause for God to meet us. If you do that, God will meet with you. The light in the menorah, although the Torah says that it's brought from the oil is brought by the Jews, but when the light shines, I don't think the light shines is something which the Jews are doing to God. We are sacrificing to God, but the light shining menorah offhand, I think, symbolizes the opposite. It's God shining on you. There's a menorah in the Beit HaMikdash which gives light. The light comes from on high, it comes from God, and enlightens our lives. The Gemara says concerning the Beit HaMikdash that the light of the Menorah lit up all of Yerushalayim. It was a miracle. Uh, which would you know, fit in with the idea that I've just said. That the light of the Menorah is something which comes from the Mikdash into our homes, into our, into our lives. So I think the, the, the two points here are the Torah, basically Pashat is bracketed by, in the beginning, the Ner Tamid, 
And in the end, almost the very last piece, but the last piece before the completion of the Mishkan, before the completion of what the Torah says is the completion, is the Olat Tamid. After having built the physical thing, you're now going to bring in people, the Kohanim. The Kohanim are, are real people. They're humans. They're, they're Jews. They represent the bridge between man and God. So in the beginning, you have light candles. I will shine on you. At the end, you have bring a Korban. And then it says, Vinoati. Then you will have succeeded in having that meeting, the Noadati, between, between, God, between God and man. Both these things are called Tamid. And these are the only two things that are called Tamid. For the Mishkan to be the Mishkan, you need two, not physical features, but two permanent activities. Two, two dynamic, dynamic existences. Two dynamic features. One is a continual fire burning on the Menorah. And two is a continual sacrifice, which is also fire, a continual fire burning up of a sacrifice on the Mizbech. The Mizbech is our approach towards God. And the Menorah is God's shining unto us. The link between those two things is what? The rest of the Pasha is the Kohanim. The Kohanim tend to the Menorah. The Kohanim tend to the Mizbech. They are the link between God on high into the Mikdash, the Jews coming to the Mikdash or the Mishkan to reach God, and the Kohanim, these people who are sanctified and dedicated and, and basically created, their existence is created in, this, in most of this Pasha, they are the people who link between God and man in this meeting that the Old Moed describes. That, I think, is the explanation of the, of the structure of the Pasha. And if you will allow me, I would like to generalize a little bit about this. After all, we don't have Korbanot today. And we don't have an Ohel Moed. We don't have a tent of meeting, a place where one can say that God meets man vidibarti, and God speaks to man. Is then the entire idea gone? Well, Chazal say that Tfilot bimkom t'midim, specifically about the Korban HaTamid, we daven, shacharit umincha, are in place of the Tamid. The usual explanation, and offhand, a correct explanation for sure, is that this relates to the idea that I attach to Pashat Pinchas. What is Tfilah? Tfilah is Avodat Hashem. The Rambam says that Tfilah is learned from the Pasuk of Avodat, Avodat Shebalev. It's the service of God. A Korban, as described in Pashat Pinchas, was the service of God. Chukah, something which you're told to do because you're the servants of God. But I think that if tefillah bimkom korbanot kom t'midim, tefillah comes in the place of the korbanat tamid, then I think this also has to be true for the korbanat tamid that's described in our Pasha. Not the service of God, but the our bringing ourselves into a position where God meets with us and speaks to us. So our daily tefillot take the place I assume a deficient place, not as good as the original, but nonetheless, in some sense, our daily tefillot take the place of the korban tamid in this sense, by our davening, by our bringing ourselves to meet with God, we create a world, a house, a tent, a situation, a Beit Knesset, where we no aditi lechasham, I will meet with you and speak with you there. And God speaks to us, meets with us. We have a communion with God because of the 
daily tefillah, not because you dive, not because you speak, God has to speak to you, but because of the tamid. In other words, the idea of shachrit mincha as being tamidim, as being a daily exercise, as being a constant exercise. Not constant every single second, but constant in its regularity. We create a situation whereby there is a permanent communion between between man and God. That's the importance of davening kitamid, davening as a regular, constant occupation, not running to God when you have something to say to Him, but meeting with Him all the time so that there is a basis, a mishkan basis, for our meeting with Him. Stretching it a little bit further, what is the parallel to the menorah? Because we said before that you need two sides of this equation. From our side, the korban, from God's side, the menorah. So Chazal in many, many places say that the Orham Norah represents Torah. And therefore, reversing that equation, if there is no Orham Norah, there is, there is Torah. Again, Torah is something which we do, just like bringing the oil is something we do. But the light that shines is not that we are enlightening the world when we learn Torah. By our learning Torah, we allow the light of the Torah to enlighten our lives. You have to learn, just like you have to light the lamp. But the light that comes out of it comes not from you, but from the Torah. And therefore, the two sides of the equation are Torah v'tfilah. Torah in the place of the of the menorah. By our learning Torah, I would like to hope and believe, among other things, by learning Torah in KMTT, by our learning Torah, we have the light of God. God enters into, comes to meet with us. By our davening on a regular basis, we have Korbana Tamid, these two Tamidim, Torah Tamidit, regular Torah, learning Torah all the time. What does it mean all the time? The menorah really did burn all the time, but we know that Tamid can also mean on a regular basis. So having regular learning of Torah, hopefully on a daily basis, is having God speak to you. And Korban Tamid, which means Tfilah Tamidit, constant Tfilah, also on a regular basis, twice a day, three times a day, when we add Ma'ariv, that's our coming to speak to God. That's the physical basis for Makom, a place which is no aditi, an ohel mo'ed, a place of meeting. Someone who davens regularly and allows Torah to shine on him regularly because he learns regularly has created the conditions where it's possible to say, even in our times where we lack the Beit HaMikdash, that there is a no aditi, a place where God and man meet and v'nikdashti bitocham, and God is sanctified in their, in their midst. With that plug for KMTT, obviously for davening, but also for KMTT, I conclude this year in Pashat HaShavua. And now we go over to the Halacha Yomit. The Shulchan Aruch in Siman Sadibet paskins Sarich Lirchot Yadav Bamayim Im Yeshla. There's a lacha that you have to wash your hands before you dive in. Now, there are a number of reasons. There's a, there's a, this is not the lacha that we're familiar with, that when you wake up in the morning, you have to wash your hands. After sleeping, there is a chobat to wash your hands before reciting any bracha whatsoever. Because the assumption is that when you were sleeping, You've, your hands have become dirty, you have touched parts you shouldn't touch, as well as the fact that sleep itself, which is similar to death, 
requires one to re-inaugurate one's hands by washing them in the morning. But there's another halacha that says before Shemar Esrei one has to wash one's hands. Now, obviously, if you wash your hands in the morning and went to Davin, so you've done that. But Shemar Esrei per se, Mincha and Mayav as well, require one to wash one's hands. The Gemara in Shabbat says without connection to Tefillah, and Afnun, Rochetz Adam Panav Yadav Veraglav Vechol Yom Bishvil Kono. Mishum Shenemar Kol Poal Hashem Lemaaneu. The Gemara says that one should wash one's face, hands, and feet. Paul's going to say you don't have to wash your feet today, because we don't walk around barefoot. But you should wash one's face, hands, and feet every day, Bishvil Kono before God. In other words, it's not because you 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 touch something which you shouldn't touch, your shoes or parts of your body, and, and, and one has to wash one's hands. It's it's part of getting ready for davening that you, you, so to speak, groom yourself. So appearing, davening is definition, by definition, davening means standing before the king. And therefore, just as the Prince which we will see about how one dresses, so there also halachot that one should take care of one's body. As I mentioned, the Ramam divides up Hilchot Fila to a number of categories. Before we were talking about Tikkun Hamakom, Ram has another category called Tikkun Haguf, the, the fixing, the, the preparation of one's body. And washing one's hands is a preparation for one's, for one's body. Now, if one washed one's hands in the morning, do you have to wash again for Mincha? Perhaps washing in the morning is enough. The answer is theoretically that's true. If you know that your hands have touched, say, a part of your body that's normally covered, or your shoes, or, or something which which causes them to be not in, in the pristine state they were, then you have to wash again. If not, so the Mechavah says, Rachatz yadav shacharit da'ato. You weren't thinking about your hands the whole day, as presumably you weren't. You have to wash them again. If you have water. If the water is not available, even if you could get it by walking some certain distance, you don't have to do that. You can simply rub them, make sure they're clean, rub them on your on your on, on a piece of wood or on something which will rub off any obvious dirt and daven. But lechatchila, if water is available, then hesachadat, the fact that you haven't been, you 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 you've interrupted your concentration between the first washing and what you're doing now, so you should wash your hands again. That's the reason why normally I think everyone always has hesachadat between shacharit and mincha. So therefore, when one comes to daven mincha, uh, in a shul, there will always be water, or some other place. I mean, we don't really have a situation today which Chazal uh, were concerned about, and the Machaba says, you're in a place where there's no water. We're not normally found in the desert. Water is everywhere. And therefore, the Lacha says, as Paskin by the Shulchan Aruch, that, uh, that one should wash. One doesn't make a bracha in this washing, but one washes, because one is entering into the king's court, therefore, one washes again. If in any condition, even if you washed your hands in the morning and went to Davin, but you touch something which requires one to wash one's hands again, a place which is uh, not clean in the body, which is basically any place that's that's covered, or if you scratched your, your head or, or put your fingers in your ears, or your shoes or something which is dirty, then that in itself requires one to wash again because washing isn't merely a ceremony. It has to do with, with getting oneself clean 
forgot part of preparation is being clean. So if one knows that there is a certain amount of dirt, one washes, but even if one doesn't, hasechadat means one should wash one's hands again, at least the chatchiva, if water is if water is available. As I mentioned, the halacha in Shabbat says, panav yadav veraglav. The poskim write, uh, originally Ashkenazi poskim, eventually all poskim write that we don't normally wash our feet because our feet are not exposed to dirt the way uh, they once were. Uh, but the Gemara does say panav. And apparently, uh, one should make sure, not just a good idea, but one should make sure to wash one's face as well. One's face is that which one presents to God. And therefore, washing one's face and washing one's hands, one's hands are the things which we do things with. The face is the face. The face is what we present. And both of them should be washed before going, before going, before going to David. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the Erev Shabbat program. My guest tomorrow will be Harav Shalom Berger. Till then, wishing you Kol Tov. This has been Ezra Bick speaking for KMTT from Gush Etzion. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Mi Yerushalayim.